I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show i i was just um taking the subway and i heard jerry seinfeld's voice recently they've they've added him for for telling us about covid which i wonder if just a little morale booster yeah thanks jerry booster booster good one claire it's a booster (laughs) so many so many so many damn books hello everybody out there in listening land welcome to so many damn books my name is christopher my name is drew and we have claire boyle editor of mcsweeney's quarterly and Julie Shapiro, the executive producer at Radiotopia, with us today to discuss all sorts of things, but particularly the new issue of McSweeney's 64 out in September. Thank you so much for joining us and talking yeah. to us. We are unbelievably excited to talk yeah. about McSweeney's with you two. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Have you heard of this reading subscription service, Scribd? It's pretty amazing. For one low price, you get access to their entire library. It's actually how I listened to all of Lisa Lutz Spellman books, one after another, just spent $9.99 for the month and just powered through all of those all in one go. It was awesome. Uh, It's the ultimate reading subscription service, Scribd. It lets you explore all of your interests in any format you choose. Ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, and more. And it's only $9.99 a month. You get an entire library for less than the cost of a single book. There's no complicated credits. You don't have to buy anything additional. You can just go ahead and read to your heart's content. And if you're not sure what you want to read... Scribd combines the latest technology with the best human minds to recommend content that you'll love. And if you want to change things up, you're free to switch between titles, genres, and formats at any time on your phone, tablet, or computer. Right now, we're offering listeners of this program a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash books for your free trial. That's try.scribd.com slash books to get 60 days of Scribd for free. This issue of McSweeney's is special because it's it's an audio-focused issue, which is why mm-hmm. Julie, I think, got involved on her side of things, right? Yes. And so I was 
thinking of terrible puns when I was making this cocktail. Um, and I, I, I've been gravitating towards old fashions recently um, because they only take one spirit. They're very easy uh, to make. But so instead of an old fashioned, this is an our old fashion. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was a groan, but it's, it's de definitely groan worthy. It was a moan of satisfaction. <laughs> so it's uh, two ounces of bourbon, um, half ounce of so I infused simple syrup, which is, I, I used a Demerara simple syrup, just Demerara sugar and water equal parts. Um, but I used Plum Deluxe. This tea company has this tea flavor called Reading Nook. And mm -hmm. it has all of these wonderful notes in it, uh, chamomile and rose, I think. It's a black tea as well. Um, it smells amazing. And I've been waiting to break out the, their Reading Nook flavor because I wanted it to be for something special. And um, I also have this little Buddha machine that I've had forever, um, which was this old MP3, like, uh, I'm gonna play a little bit of it for our listeners. It's a little box that just plays weird ambient loops. And so I played that while I was making this drink. So hopefully <laughs> the waves got through it. And then of course there's two dashes of Amora's bitters, which is made by strong water. And you stir that and you make it in the traditional way. It's a lovely drink. And I am glad to, I wish I was drinking it with you guys, but I will drink it at you instead. I'll take one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just, as soon as we can send things through the wires like that, you know, sign me up. Wouldn't that be so great? That feels honestly like something I would read in a McSweeney's issue. So what's next, Drew? What do we do? Uh, next up is what'd you buy? Christopher, oh, why don't we start with you? We never start with you. Okay. Since I just moved, I've been banned from buying books. And I've banned <laughs> myself. Like, But in general, just it, you really come into to, um, the reality and you come face to face with yourself as a book buyer and a book collector when you move. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> just so many boxes of books. And I just wanted to get rid of it. There was a point in it where I was just like, just throw them into the garbage. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I, but they're all here. Um, I've gotten rid of still like 150 books in the past month or so. But this one has stuck around. It just arrived. It was sent to us. So I didn't buy it. But it's called The Last Checkmate by Gabriella Saab. And it was pitched as um, sort of a Queen's Gambit successor. It's about a young Jewish girl saving her life by winning games of chess against the concentration camp guards. So, wow. But it, I, I loved all the chess in Queen's Gambit. It made me hungry for more chess novels. Um, and so I'm very looking forward to diving into The Last Checkmate by Gabriella Saab. Did you also start playing chess more after Queen's Gambit? I did. I did. Um, I'm terrible at it. There's actually this app developer named Zach Gage made this game called Really Bad Chess, <laughs> where um, it's just sort of chess problems. And that is really fun. Um, hmm. did, did you did you play chess after Queen's Gambit? 
Um, my my COVID pot is really into chess, uh, and I started mm. like very into chess and slowly dropped out of the chess game. <laughs> um, but we were playing. We were, there was four of us who were playing double chess for a while, which Whoa. is like there are two chess boards next to each other, and you like pass, if you get a piece from your opponent, you pass it to your teammate on the other board. Whoa. Highly recommend. <laughs> That's like going from a crossword to like a cryptic crossword. That's a whole other mm-hmm. brain yeah. thing. Whoa. Or like three-dimensional chess that they play on oh, yeah, and Star, Star Trek. Trek. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Julie, do you want to share something? Something that I bought recently? Mm-hmm. I did buy a beautiful tape dispenser yesterday. I was uh, <laughs> passing through Philadelphia and uh, my sister took me to her favorite station, Japanese stationery store. Ooh. And it was like being a kid in a candy shop, except it wasn't candy. Um, and you know, we both like saw them at the same time. Um, your listeners can't see, but it's probably about six inches wide, heavy, like a metal, but kind of like the thermosy green, old school thermos green color. Mm. And it just has um, a little metal kind of barrel that you'll put the tape on. And it, it's just, I, I was like, I, we'll have this for the rest of my life. This is a, mm. this is a, this purchase will take us through decades and we'll never have to worry about dispensing our tape. Again, it was, a, <laughs> it was actually a gift for the family basically. Ah. So um, I bought, I bought a book recently too, but I thought like that is the most recent thing I'm very excited to have brought into the house. I like that. That's really cool. A good tape dispenser is heavy, heavy, yeah. like none of that, that plastic stuff, you know, like the heavy <laughs> metal. Yeah. The childhood tape, dis- the one that's I, I'm sure still on my parents' desk is like filled with sand and it's very, yes. Um, yes. I, can, oh, yeah. I can still sort of like remember the feeling of feeling being it. on the yeah. phone and like just like <laughs> using it like a rain stick. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I understand the aesthetic pleasure of a good tape dispenser very, very intimately. Claire, do you want to go? Yeah, um, I have been, I just recently bought this book. I actually have it with me, this book, uh, The Underground Woman by Kay Boyle, um, which mm-hmm. I had never heard of this author, but I was like, her name is my name. Um, <laughs> and she's a woman beat writer. Um, and I... I have always been kind of turned off by the beach just because of how male dominant it has it is and like just the general treatment of women um so when I saw this I said I need I need to try this out um it also has the kind of like plastic coating from a library book which immediately draws me in got it at dog-eared in San Francisco so that one I love that story next on the list yeah a real they're they're across the street from our offices so they're like our mm. drew what about you finish this off here i just got a book in the mail that i'm very excited about sequoia nagamatsu's how high we go in the dark which is coming out next year i think it might be it's it is either the first or very close to the first 2022 galley that i've gotten um but it's like a big epic a bunch of characters moving across a hundred, several hundred years, sort of like Matt Bell's Appleseed or David Mitchell's Cloud Atlas. Um, but it feels like it's one of these, maybe it's just me, maybe it's confirmation bias, but I feel like we're seeing a lot of climate change focused fiction, like right mm-hmm. now. Uh, 
and this one I'm very excited about. It looks different from everything else that I'm seeing. So I'm mm. stoked to do that. And I also, um, Julie, you inspired me. I also bought a new vacuum. Mm. And I tell you folks, when you go <laughs> from having like a, a shitty vacuum, it, it was a good vacuum. It did it, good service for a long time, but it just was at the end of its life. And we were limping it along and then you get the new vacuum and suddenly everything is clean. Mm. It's really marvelous. You like start rubbing your feet on the carpet because it just feels clean. Love that. Mazel tov. <laughs> it's like the windshield when you change your windshields mm -hmm. it's a revelation yeah, yeah. Never windshield wipers that. i should say oh change your, if you have a car change your windshield wipers it's like a new lease on life <laughs> speaking of things that change mcsweeney's oh mcsweeney's that was a plus nice. yeah 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 thank you very much um we've both been McSweeney's subscribers for a very long time before we knew each other. Yeah. I think my first issue, we were doing some research as we were, I, my first issue was maybe issue 24, which uh, was the sort of the like two books back to back, but in opposite direction. So it was like, it, it, like a Z mm -hmm. binding. The Z binding. Mm -hmm. Mine was, um, was that cigar box one issue 19. That was like, I was totally enamored with it in the bookstore. And I was just like, what? What is that? I, I I remember having to ask an employee in the bookstore to be like, explain this to me. And they're like, yeah, it's a new lit mag, whatever. And just like, <laughs> that sort of like bookstore um, jadedness. But I was totally, I, I found it to complete, be completely magical. So I'd love to know about your guys' ex first experiences with McSweeney's too. Claire, what is your yeah, first well, experience? Um... <laughs> My first issue, uh, my I started with uh, editing with issue 49, um, but I actually started way before that as an intern um, at McSweeney's. Um, so I've been there since the, my beginning, my, since baby intern days. Um, and then I kind of just stuck around until they let me do some editing work. And, um, and here we are. Um, but that book that you were talking about, um, Christopher was what that issue is what we call a box of stuff category of issues. <laughs> <laughs> the official terminology is a box of stuff. Um, Sounds very always, official. Totally. And I've always wanted to do a box of stuff issue, um, mm. which is what this audio issue is. Um, oh, so but yeah, stuff. so I've, I've been um, doing, I've been editing since 49. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> Julie? Julie, what about you? Well, I'm going to date myself here, age myself, but um, we did a little message from Radiotopia for the issue, and I tell this story there too, but like I uh, literally had the first McSweeney's issue. I bought it at the Regulator bookstore in Durham, North Carolina. I was a like impressionable young zine maker, etc., lost in life, and a very kind clerk said, oh, and I think my I had put my zine for sale there, and he said he, he guided me and recommended, and I picked it up never had seen anything like it and just immediately was on board for McSweeney. So needless to say, 64 issues later, 63 issues later, this mm. it's incredible to have um, joined forces with, with McSweeney's and Claire to make the audio issue. I love that. That's so cool. Um, it, that was back when, I don't know how long they did this, but you to submit to the issue you had to include your rejection letter you could only yeah. send in stuff that had been rejected somewhere else mm -hmm. so 
right? Yeah, was... I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was two rejection letters. I think that was, I don't know exactly when that ended, but like 10 or so issues in, something like that. Uh, they figured maybe we can let move on from this, but I think <laughs> it still holds that ethos of like, these are the stories, these are the pieces, the kind of experiments that, um, you know, other people aren't yeah. jumping on. I think maybe it's time to introduce the issue itself. McSweeney 64, tell our listeners about it and what's exciting about it. Yeah, totally. So this is the audio, our first ever audio issue, um, which comes in the form of a box of stuff, as mentioned, um, which is a linen bound box that you take the lid off of and there's a bunch of different print artifacts in there. Um, and each different object or artifact, there's a keychain, there's a lantern with an eight-foot illustrated scroll, there are, there's a toy catalog, there's books with different stories in them, and those all correspond with a different piece of audio, um, and each one is from a different contributor. So we essentially, there's no single conceit as to how the audio and the printed matter fit together. We just reached out to each contributor and said, how, how would you do this? What is your what, what is your idea here? And so each piece has a different relationship between the printed matter and the audio piece, and they all fit together in a slightly different way. So for some of them, you read a little bit and then you listen a little bit and you read a little bit and you kind of piece the story together that way. For others, they're simultaneous. So you're listening and reading at the same time. And they're giving you both mediums are giving you slightly different information that kind of combine to create a full experience. Um, so in that way, it's a very active listening uh, experience. Yeah. You're kind of like, you're the one who's putting the puzzle together as the listener. So being, you know, literary bookish people who had never worked in audio, we said, well, we got to get some, some audio brilliant minds on board. So we reached out to Radiotopia um, and Julian Audrey over at Radiotopia were intimately involved in all of the creation and, and, um, audio editing and all of that, that part of the issue, as well as Andrew Leland, um, who's our senior producer for the issue, who um, was the believer of the, the, was the editor of the Believer magazine for years, and also started the Organist podcast, which is the, the longtime Believer McSweeney's podcast. So we got the dream team together um, and kind of put this thing in motion. And so that was two-ish years ago it, it feels like kind of an immense lead time which makes sense when you look at the object it's like yeah i i bet i would have believed it if you told me it took five years to put together mm. i guess julie what happened when claire came to you and was like hey we want to do an audio issue of our literary magazine well, I screamed in my head, at least. Um, no, no, we uh, we were so honored to be um, asked to contribute and help. And um, you know, something about the spirit of Radiotopia and what is at the core of McSweeney's. Claire, when you were saying earlier, like we wanted things nobody else wanted. Um, I think that our shows are our podcasts are are shows that lots of people would want, but we also want to be a place where people can take things that other people wouldn't want, wouldn't take mm -hmm. a risk on, wouldn't experiment right. with, wouldn't believe in. And so it just felt like such a wonderful like kinship, you know, sort of shared DNA in terms of what we exist for, supporting independent creators and people pushing the boundaries of how to tell stories and how to 
convey information and art to to, to recipients. Um, so we so right away, and I knew that my close colleague Audrey was also a big McSweeney's fan. So we were we were like in immediately. Where there were no questions asked, and we thought, you know, how can we involve some of the shows in the network, but also how can we be of service to helping find other producers who also think in these imaginative ways and would appreciate what the uh, issue was trying to do, which is really play in the space between print and audio and like where are the gaps, how are they filled, what are, you know, where does it go further? Mm. So it was, it just seemed like a wonderful opportunity. I don't think we, any of us knew like what it would mean to work together. And, and we just figured it out by diving in, like, you know, creating a big list of people we'd love to work with feeling how they worked together in a mix and then like going from there and you know starting to slowly identify ideas stories what if we did this you know not knowing what McSweeney's could do with the physical physical aspect of this was like such a like revelation to realize oh we can make some really cool stuff for this box <laughs> and yeah and tie it back to the audio so I'd, I'd love to know is, is there something in the box that you're just like dying to hear what people think of? Like, is there something particular, like this is the thing, I cannot wait until people figure this thing out. I'm, am uh, I asking for favorite children here? Yeah, a little bit. What do you, what's that, well, how do you answer that, Claire? Um, I mean, they're all of the children are the favorite. <laughs> A big family. Uh, um, I do. It was. It's been really fun to. I've shown some of the pieces to some friends and family, and it's really fun to watch them experience all of them. But particularly <laughs> even to like piece in there who is actually a radio has a Radiotopia podcast. Um, Radiotopia brought him into the mix. Upon God's grace, he did a piece called Kids Works, which is absolutely <laughs> side-splittingly hilarious. It's a fictional toy manufacturer's catalog is the physical component of it which in itself is terrific but then the audio piece is that there's a phone number on that catalog that you call into to reach the the customer service helpline and um, it just spins into this bizarro freaky violent like super strange hilarious uh, customer service story about a a toy named Corners who is uh, whispering <laughs> to your child. So oh, no. yeah, it's been really fun to watch people experience that one. Wow. That's so cool. It's so cool to be using phones. Like it, <laughs> it feels, I remember being a kid and that, ex or like even a teenager and that excitement of finding a phone number like for I am thinking of um, when Nine Inch Nails released the Year Zero record, they did a big alternate reality game, and there mm. were like people were finding flash drives in places, and there were like phone numbers encoded into the waveform of a song snippet, and you'd call mm. that and like, and that level of excitement and mystery, the like the tangible thing of it's not just playing a podcast on your phone, it's like calling a number feels so transgressive yeah <laughs> you know yeah. can we yeah, just text the numbers i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like talking right 
know. <laughs> yeah. It's great because for some people, there's, there's familiarity in a phone tree and, you know, you kind of mm -hmm. roll your eyes and you understand the pauses and the cadence of that. And for others, it's novel because you've never really heard one because you've never really used a phone for <laughs> communication, right? So it hits on so many levels. It's so delightful and weird. I mean, Ian is just like the best at smart, weird, beautiful audio and, and it like totally takes it there. There are actually a couple of, uh, so there's that phone number and then there's the voicemail phone numbers that are straightforward, but there are a couple other Easter egg phone numbers throughout the issue where um, the phone number is just kind of like embedded in the story. And if you happen to call it, there's another little peak of audio there. I do love that there's a, um, that like some stuff that's in every issue, like letters to the editor um, was rethought for this. Um, and that's, that's so fun. That was Sonora Thompson, our art director's idea to do it as a voicemail to the editor instead of letters to the editor, which was like the first idea that we ever had for this issue. And I was like, we need to make this issue now. <laughs> but it's really funny. <laughs> I'd love to know about like even more nitty gritty about curation, because I feel like anybody would leap and say like, yes, I've got a great idea. And like, you know, after you ask them and they give you the idea, if you don't like it, like what happens then? Or like what goes <laughs> into the, into this creation process here? Because it seems fascinating. Yeah. I mean, we were lucky that everything that came to us was exciting and great. And um, I think that was a that was a moment where I really appreciated and leaned on Julie and Audrey and Andrew who deal with pitches and kind of like working to shape pitches so much more because that's that's less um, common in short story kind of like literary journal publishing. Um, so they were uh, incredible assets in kind of like working with the producers and contributors to shape the pitches into something that felt right for the issue to its best form. Also, though, we could be so welcoming of like the weirdest ideas because there was uh, I loved that we didn't have to shove everything down like a, a channel of the sameness. And one thing I really appreciated throughout in working on the issue was being able to embrace so many different approaches to this concept. Um, you know, podcasting is somewhat prescribed. There's a formula that works great and it it's successful because it's predictable and people know what they're getting and all of that makes the industry stronger and better and gives more people opportunities etc cetera, etc cetera. but being able to work in a space where like everything was different one thing to the next and we celebrated that we could push things even further and accommodate these just amazingly creative ideas that came our way it was it was such a gift to step a little bit out of the kind of industry space and work in a slightly adjacent place where all of that was really treasured and um, and and it was just so rewarding to get these ideas. And I will say that, you know, we did we did edit, we did help. I loved seeing Claire's, you know, impressions of the audio. Maybe we helped a little bit with the text. It was fun to kind of change up our roles a little bit in the editing process, but um, I felt like we were there to support, not necessarily to change too much and, and really just get everything to its best possible iteration. And the stuff is beautiful. I mean, it, it it's just an incredible collection. I was gonna ask about that editing thing and that you both are at the top of your fields, you're like well-respected editors in your lanes. What was that, what was your working relationship like? 
It seemed really easy. We just like found our way. We didn't always agree on everything, but we often did. I mean, maybe that was a really nice thing from the start. I felt like we all kind of were aiming for the same sort of essence and 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 completion and, and things. So um, I loved what Claire brought to editing the audio, like what her instincts were in terms of rhythm and where were the things too fast and where should we slow down and where did the sound not work? You know, it was so great to work with someone outside the audio world uh, and and hear and hear her impressions of of what was going on with these drafts. Yeah, I think I learned a lot even through the process of you know thinking of things with a slightly more narrative literary hat on. Mm. Yeah, totally. I feel the exact same way. And I mean, I think that I was had kind of been thinking about this issue for so many years, um, and for the re like it was kind of it was selfish because I just love audio and I've always wanted to work in audio uh and kind of like play with audio and so it was I was you know in a in the sandbox the whole time just like <laughs> having so much fun yeah so it was great and it was so nice to collaborate and so like for most of the other issues I'm kind of working in isolation um there aren't editorial meetings about the so many editorial meetings about what the issues that we're working on and kind of like in a dark dungeon like typing alone so to be able to have these, we had weekly editorial meetings with the four of us, um, and it was just the most fun thing to be able to just talk about stories and ideas and brainstorm and with these three people that I respect so deeply. So yeah, that was, I think, one of the best parts of this issue. Opening this box made me think of Chris Ware's building stories it gave me a very similar feeling of like am i opening up a board game like there's some like am i going to be building like a little like record player at some point in this <laughs> um but there's just like all of the different sizes and different styles like they 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 all fit together in the box but i'm also curious if there was ever any other forms that you wanted to play with it but you didn't get to here like it did have has have you now thought of like issue 67 and issue 71 like oh we're gonna do more audio stuff i would love i mean i would love to keep doing audio stuff we're actually i don't this is proprietary i don't know we're we're currently like talking about getting more into audio is the the vague non-committal way that i'll say it but yeah um, <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean, I, we just had so much fun working in audio and it was, it felt so natural and, and just kind of like expanded the people, the contributors that we could work with. There's so many people with such deep McSweeney sensibilities that are working in audio right now. So it was so cool to get to connect with them. Um, yeah, I actually ordered building stories when we first started working on this, um, just to like have that experience. And mm -hmm. I, I had, I had this like really disastrous day out of the beach crabbing. And I came back, didn't get a single crab. We don't know how to crab. This is not like a thing we do usually. <laughs> so it was like, didn't work well. We were all really, morale was low when we got home and the, the um, building stories was on uh, the front porch and we just all sat around and Aww. read it. And it was just a great, yeah, it was super cool. Whoa, so, that's a that's an awesome way to experience building stories. <laughs> yeah, like we needed this today. <laughs> but yes, yeah. And I'll say the experience, I just got the box yesterday, actually. So I've been looking at PDFs and hearing the audio, like I can know some of the audio by heart, but I hadn't had the full experience. And I knew what was in there and I would still, I was still like, just like 
euphoric about pulling each thing out and be like, oh my God, there's more. Oh, right, this one. Oh my God, there's more. Yeah, it, it, it's such a nice thing to touch touch the, the thing you're about to absorb. We don't really get to do that ever, whether it's a photo, you know, the long gone photographs, et cetera, but like to feel the objects and then experience it with all of this attention paid to like, here's the descriptive transcript, here's the audio file, here's the text in front of you, you know, active listening, you, but there's wonderful guiding through the experience. And, you know, McSweeney's really like helps you understand how to appreciate the box, I think from the minute you open it till that you get to the bottom of it. How do you feel about the, um, the issue like devoid of the audio like if you're just if you don't have the audio or you can't listen to audio for whatever reason um do these things stand on their own did you even really think about that side of things while you were doing it or you just like no it's the full thing yeah it's very much the full thing um the uh, the print element and the audio element are only portions of the, the pieces i mean some of them you know, live more in the audio or live more in the text, but they, they definitely rely on each other to create a full experience. But for, to answer your question, we actually, um, for those who didn't want to, or were not able to access the audio or the printed elements, we um, made a point to put together a descriptive transcript on our website, which has entirely text-based versions of everything in, in the issue, which is illustrations, the text and the audio are all text-based. So they're um, screen reader accessible. And for those who would rather read text uh, or use um, accessibility technology, accessible technology, we have put that together. So you can kind of like piece your experience together as you'd like. There are many different ways to ways into the issue. I really love that the descriptive transcripts are also that like there was care and intention put into that. Like that there are other authors who contributed like, it's so cool that it feels in a, in a completest way. It's just like, Oh, cool. Here's another way that I get to experience this, but I hate that it is rare, but it feels re relatively rare today to experience um, any kind of, transcript as anything other than like a burden on the company that made it and mm -hmm. the fact that it's so like warmly and emphatically not that um is really cool i yeah. just like i think it's so great yeah i love that it was put in the terms in the issue about um the vessel in in, in <laughs> and the opposition to the vessel because I witnessed the vessel and I witnessed the lounge that was set mm. up that you had to sign. Again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Sign the thing that said that you would never ever set a foot on on the vessel, but now I can go hang out in this cool little lounge set up next to it. Yeah. All of that um, conversation about accessibility. I'm glad that people are having it. I'm glad it's out in the open. And it was very refreshing and um, a nice way to be welcomed into the issue too. It was one of the first books I pulled out of there the the thread of the accessibility and like how could we explore that like to its fullest was so important to the curation process even and to all of you know thinking about not just each individual piece but how do they present as a collection of pieces and uh, that was just another 
reason we were so impressed with the idea because here we have this opportunity to create something really for everyone and you know to make even even the assistive technologies artful and respectful and playful and all of these things so it feels like that's such an important piece of the full project um and it it, it just carried as much weight as the decisions about who who to bring in and what would it look like and what would the objects be and and i think because we all like really felt strongly about that it was a really easy thing to come together on and then and make and sort of push and make sure everything felt right through that lens i have a box of stuff question mm. which <laughs> i mean we there, all have a box of stuff <laughs> <laughs> there is you know it 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 feels like there's a little bit of a thing where subscribers to the quarterly concern will certainly know what I'm talking about, where you sort of watch the updates of what the issues coming down the line are. And then you see like, okay, that's a hardback one. This is going to be a soft. And then it's like this one, that sounds like it's going to be, what do you mean? It's going to be printed on balloons. <laughs> that was a nightmare. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to ask like what, talk about going from, you know, a, a print medium to bringing in the audio. That's one thing but it feels like every four to five issues, the McSweeney's team is like, what's something that we have no idea how to do that's completely <laughs> insane? How do we do, like, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. We don't necessarily go into it like, okay, we need to have a wacky idea. What's it gonna be this issue? We, can't, we just kind of like plot along. And then if something comes to mind that we feel strongly about, we move forward with it so it's not like we're brainstorming like what's the next wacky thing gonna be um but because we know we're in this space that lets us do something crazy that might absolutely not work at all like for the balloon issue in the 11th hour the printer told us that they were afraid that the balloon so that the issue you were talking about for people who don't know is uh stories that were micro stories that were printed on balloons that you have to blow up to read. So it comes in a bag of balloons. Um, and they were like, we're worried that maybe the printing will all stick together. And when you blow it up, it'll all come apart. And you can't read it. So we got a sample, folded it up, put it under a really heavy bookshelf for like a month so that it would be really compressed and then took it out and blew it up and it worked. So we're like, all right, let's go forth with it. <laughs> but so it takes, definitely takes a lot of trial and error and, uh, trying to poke holes in it until um, we find something that maybe we'd, we dare try. I have to jump in and just give so much credit to the McSweeney's team because we would just dream up this, like, oh, we'll do a magic lantern scroll and like, <laughs> And there we have a we have that, and you know oh, we'll do a keychain. Like we, we could just whatever we invented. Claire was like, oh, I'll talk I'll talk to them about that, and then <laughs> you'd like report back. It might be slightly different than what we expected, but like we ended up with all these really lovely things. In any case, the magic lantern is I, I haven't gotten to explore all of the things in this yet um, because it is very involved reading. Yeah. Um, but it is the thing that I first experienced with everything and it's a truly magical experience. Not the least of which is because you have to use your phone to make the lantern a lantern. Um, and so that really makes you focused because <laughs> you don't have your phone. <laughs> you don't have access to that. You can't, I love that. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, and 
and I'm just sort of, I was sort of in awe of it because like it, here's this folded up thing that was actually like really easy to put together and experience the, the, the coolness of it. Um, I'm curious now, Claire, I feel like you're going to have a very different answer than Julie, but how do you relate to reading like post McSweeney's not like your app, but like how has McSweeney's changed your reading life? How does how has working on this issue changed how you're reading other things that aren't related to it? I don't know. I feel like I haven't really read much since I'm still we're still kind of working on the issue. I probably shouldn't say that, but we're like still <laughs> putting the audio site together and working on the descriptive transcripts and all that. Um, so I feel like I haven't read much. I read a lot of nonfiction when I'm deep in an issue, just for like contrast. Um, so really, more than anything, it's just a relief. To, to read something that's informational and straightforward and uh, gripping and unrelated. Uh, so I'll, maybe that's, that's how it's affected me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I concur, it's just a relief to read. I spend so much time listening and listening and listening that taking you know the time to read through this, the contents and the stuff in the box, um, it was just a reminder. I love to read. I've always loved to read. And I've, I've strayed a bit because um, you know, some podcasts feel like you're reading. And if that's the case, mm. I've read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in the last many, many years. Um, but, I you know, but it isn't the same. And I really treasure the time and the space of like not not engaging your ears in that way and like really concentrating on so for me the 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 change is like to remember how much how gratifying that is and um i think everything i read feeds back into how i hear things anyway so it's all it's all connected but um it was a great sort of tethering me back to this practice that i've always loved and needed and still need and now i'm finding some more time for it so that's helpful that's beautiful i love that books are always there for you yeah, they are. They are. Actually, maybe we should um, maybe we should head into the recommendation portion of that the. Feels about right. Yeah, maybe we should recommend some straightforward or non-straightforward experiences to have in the universe. Drew, do you want to start off the train here? Sure. I've got a book and a record. The book is the new Percival Everett book, The Trees. Mm -hmm. uh, longtime friend of the show, John Warner, has been... He's the one, I feel like, who in the Morning News' Tournament of Books universe is always hyping up Percival Everett. He's like, you're, gotta, you're gonna read it. You're gonna find the one that's gonna get you in. And I've tried a couple of times and just not been unhappy but just sort of like i'll pick something up and read five pages in a bookstore and be like oh that's just not what i want right now the trees is like the fbi scenes from any of the three seasons of the movie of twin peaks where it's like it's these two black fbi agents who show up in this town in the south where white racists are being brutally murdered and the body of Emmett Till shows up next to them, but then the, the body disappears. It's very, it's like funny and weird. It reads, it's like 
one to two page chapters. So it's a really propulsive read with just this off the wall sense of humor that I, I read it in a day and I absolutely, and I was like, Oh, I get it. I get what everybody says about this guy. Um, Pulitzer prize finalist, Percival Everett. So I'm excited to see, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it worked for me. Finally. Drew signs off. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is the new Halsey record. If I can't have love, I want power is it might be my favorite record of the year. I was excited about it because I love the work that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are doing. I have loved Halsey's work since their first record. And the the combination just plays to everybody's strengths Mm. in a way that knocked me over. It's like the soundtrack to the best a24 horror movie you haven't seen because it doesn't exist Mm. um it's beautiful it's furious there are like a lot of cool weird things going on in the mix um it's been a long time too since a record's come out that there hasn't been a single so like you when you get the record you just have the full experience Mm. and that was really lovely i did i just when it came out it the download showed up in my email and I just listened to the whole thing straight through, unadulterated by any other thing. Mm. And I think in some ways that made it even better because I had yeah. played out the single a thousand times, you know? It's a, it's, it's a, like an old-fashioned album rollout of just like they put out the thing and they were like, it's coming out. Yep. H- here it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Claire, how about you? Um. I have been recommending uh, the book, The Indifferent Stars Above by Daniel James Brown, which is a really gripping story of the Donner Party, uh, which I read while I was staying, while I was in Truckee outside of Tah- uh, Tahoe for, the, for a couple months this summer. Um, so I was like right by going to the lake every day that they camped by and just kind of like Im- immersed in it. And it's, uh grisly as you would imagine but super gripping and super um uh emotional and just you can't you won't won't put it down it's just a really i mean in the classic sense of a great story it's a great story for some not a great story for others in the park (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it was a really fun read julie what about you um I just finished the final revival of of Opal and Nev. Oh, uh, so good! Which is a really fun, wonderful novel about um, a sort of rock duo from the '70s that blew people's mind, but could have done more. And then they may get back together. And it, I don't want to give away too much, but it was such a. I, I'm always looking for alternative structures when I read because I think about that a lot in the in the audio world and I love the struck portraiture and collective telling of the story um, in the present looking back lots of different interviews uh, kind of an oral history uh, format so that was wonderful and I also just like by chance happened <laughs> this sounds fake I really just by chance happened upon a Norwegian saxophonist who just put out a record called Crack his name is Bendik Giski and it's like beautiful like fluttery and light and it's experimental, but it's uh, usually that can get very noisy and scrunky, but I found it really relaxing and lovely. So that would be my other, that's my pairing. We've got a book and we've got a Norwegian sexophonist. Cool. Awesome. 
All right, Chris. Scronky. I like that word. <laughs> yeah, scronky is a very good word. I was reading the same book for three weeks um, because not because it's very long, but just because, again, I've just moved. And this, for some reason, was like the most harrowing move of my life. Mm. I don't know why. I'm glad that it was this book that I was stuck in for that amount of time, because even though it's like a slim 250 page book, I was just happy to be thinking about the characters, even though I wasn't reading it very actively. And it's Lori Colwyn's Goodbye Without Leaving. It's uh, about a, a woman who is the only white backup singer in an all black um, band in the 60s. And she joins the band because she loves the music and then leaves because um, the singer blows up and decides that they don't want to have a white singer in the band anymore. And she's just like, that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And now I have to live the rest of my life. And it follows her as she lives the rest of her life, knowing that she has this thing in her past that she thinks of as like the absolute best thing that she's ever done and ever will do. Um, and, you know, then she does things like get married and have a kid. And, um, but all of those things are shot through with this melancholy, but also just like this wry humor. And Lori Colwyn is just like the most welcoming writer. She feels like your friend, you know, telling you this story that you've just like, oh, that's, that's a crazy story that happened to you in your life. Um, so I just think that is really great. And the other thing that I'll recommend is um, listening to Gilmore Girls episodes. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've watched Gilmore Girls so many times through. It's an excellent background show. But listening to it, I am completely just thinking about the audio. And it's a fascinating, it's like a narrative podcast almost. Um, there's just so much audio. It's wall to wall talking, like so few visual jokes or like, you know, things that you need a television for. Um, and I think it pulls out some of these other things that I just didn't even realize were in the mix while I was watching it previously. So listening to Gilmore Girls, that is my <laughs> recommendation. I can uh, totally endorse that recommendation. Just the listening. <laughs> the other thing we can recommend wholeheartedly is buying just this issue of McSweeney's 64 or subscribing to the quarterly tenancy and getting everything that they're doing in the future. Um, it's a fantastic experience, this, this box of stuff. Congratulations and, to the both of you. It is yeah. really like, it's a titanic, beautiful <laughs> object. Yes. And I just think people are going to flip for it. I, I can't wait for you guys to get feedback that I'm sure mm. is just going to be glowing. Mm. Thank you. And thank, thank you. you so much for coming on. Um, to our listeners out there, it's very easy to go on uh, McSweeney's and go and subscribe or just buy this single issue if you'd like. Um, also, if you're on your computer, you know, go ahead <laughs> and go, to, well. you go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We very much appreciate <laughs> it. We also really like when you go to our patreon.com slash SMDB uh, and give us money. We like that, too. And Julie and Claire, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Thank you for your curiosity and interest about it. It's really nice to, to revisit the process and think about how it all came together. 
All right. I think that's the end of it. All right. That is. Cut. Goodbye, Ooh. people. <laughs> <laughs>